Go to chapter 3. We're going to read verses 17 through 18. Amen. Amen. I love it when I don't have to ask. Like that always, that helps when y'all just know. Amen when you get there. All right. But the wisdom from above is first of all pure. It is also peace-loving, gentle at all times, and willing to yield to others. It is full of mercy and the fruit of good deeds. It shows no favoritism and is always sincere. And those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. Let us pray. Father, I praise you. Even in moments when I know that we've got 17 of our brothers and sisters that are struggling overseas that have been captured. But God, one thing I do know is I know you are just as present there as you are in this church right now. God, I just ask that you protect them. I claim protection over those people. God, I ask that you stir the hearts of those that can help and you open their eyes to it. Father, I struggle with that when people can help and they don't. God, again, I ask that you stir their heart. I'm leaving that in your hands. Father, I just look at it as I would hope that somebody would do the same for me and my family and my brothers and sisters. And God, today you have given me a message. First of all, I want to thank you so much for letting me preach over the book of James. You have given me so much off of this. I've read this book hundreds of times, literally hundreds of times. And now preaching it, you are continuing to teach me things. I thank you for that. I thank you for the humility. I ask that you continue to humble me. Father, right now, I need you, God, to anoint me from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet. And Father, I need, I need confidence today. I need you to cast out the doubts that are in my mind. I need you to cast out my anger, my frustrations, any pride. Just throw it out, Father. I need you to cast that away, and I need you to replace it with your confidence and your love today to give your message. And Father, I thank you for it. I ask these things in your name. Help us to love, laugh, and forgive. Amen. Last week, we discussed the second half of James chapter 2, which is all about faith and works. We discussed the difference between Paul's and James's teachings on this subject, uh, where again, Paul was teaching us in the New Testament that no amount of works can get you to true faith and salvation. And James is teaching us that once you reach that true faith and salvation, it should produce works, okay? We, we made that very clear last week. One thing I didn't make clear... Um, some of you might ask the question, but what are works? Like when you say the word works, what is that? I tried to describe that last week, but I actually, last week, and it's very seldom that I do this, I went back and I, I, I listened to my sermon again, 
And I need y'all to understand, it's almost like I made works really hard, and it's not. Okay? I need y'all to get this. Works is just as simple as leading by example. Just living a good life. I don't want you to think you have to go out there and work for works. Y'all feel me? What I need you to understand is if you just take this book and you take the teachings of this book and the teachings of the church and you live your life by it, works will be produced. Do y'all understand? Don't think you have to go above and beyond to get God's attention. All you have to do is live the life that he's put in front of you. Amen? Okay, great. This week, we continue our series on the book of James in chapter 3. Uh, over the years of studying chapter 3, uh, and I've, I've studied James so many times, that, but I've come to this conclusion today on actually teaching this chapter that no one here is going to leave without hurt feelings. Myself included, by the way. Uh, you know, and I said this before, so I hope you didn't wear your open-toed shoes today, but understand I'm aiming at your heart and not your feet. Okay, right? Amen. Uh, there are three main points that James writes about in chapter 3. A teacher's judgment, controlling the tongue, and true wisdom comes from God. Those are the three main points of James chapter 3. We're going to start with a teacher's judgment. I want to go to James chapter 3, verse 1. We're going to start right off the bat there. Dear brothers and sisters, whose brothers and sisters? Man, y'all listen, y'all are coachable. That's what I'm talking about. Very good. Dear church, not many of you should become teachers in the church, for we who teach will be judged more strictly. The first verse here in chapter 3 is a warning to all teachers of God's Word. Those teachers are Sunday school teachers, youth pastors, worship pastors, anybody. Anybody that teaches God's Word is a teacher. We are all held accountable for the things that we teach. I'm going to get into a little bit more of that, but I needed to explain who that was. A lot of people just think it's just the pastor. Well, I have a huge part of that because I am the one putting the others in place. But it's on all teachers. And let me tell you something. I need you to think about this because this is where it struck me this morning. If you're a parent, you're a teacher too, right? So we'll all be judged, us teachers will be judged strictly. <laughs> In fact, this verse, I'm going to tell you guys, when, when God called me to plant the church, I told him I could do that. Like, like I don't, some of y'all have heard that testimony, but um, you know, he, I was driving down the road, and he, and he says, I need you to plant a church. And I'm like, I got that. Like, I can do that. Like, I can plant a church. And this was my exact words as I was speaking. I said, I can plant a church. I can get people there. I can get it structured. I can get elders. I can even find a pastor. And before I could get the word pastor out of my mouth, he said, no, 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 no. I need you to pastor too. Well, that's, this verse is literally, this is how Satan works. And it's crazy, but it was the first thing that came to my mind was crud. Now, I'm going to be judged more strictly, you know, on, on top of all this. Here, you want me to plant this church and everything, but then on top of that, you're going to judge me stricter. You know, I like how God asks us to do things, but thank goodness in his word, he also warns us, when, even when you follow obedience, even when you do what he tells you to do, you still better be on point. 
And that's, that's what always kind of kept me, you know, and, and it scared me a little bit. But finally, obviously, I came out of it. I got some dang courage and quit being such a coward. So anyway, we got past that. Why does a teacher receive stricter judgment uh, than the learner does? There's three reasons for stricter judgment. I want to pull those up. Teachers are responsible to speak the truth. That's number one. It is my job as your pastor to teach you guys this book. It's my job to study it as much as possible. It's my job to know as much of this as possible for when you do come to me with questions and for also when I'm standing up here teaching it to you, right? It is also my job as the pastor to teach this truth. I want you to understand when it says speak the truth, let's say this is another part of teaching that's really hard, those hard conversations when I know you did wrong and when it's biblical that I have to come point it out to you. That's also speaking the truth. It's not easy. I can stand up here all day long and preach this word to you guys. This is easy because this is God speaking. But it's funny, when I sit down with you one-on-one, -on -one, it hurts my heart to speak this to you face-to-face -face and teach you the truth. And the reason why that is, because it wasn't long ago I was on that other side, and there's still times I'm on that other side. I don't mind admitting that. So I, I need you all to understand, if I ever come down on you, it's always out of love. And it's also because I get it. I'm still there. I'm still there. I sit across from elders, mentors, all the time, and I'm on the other side of that conversation. And that's what I meant today is I'm not just preaching to you guys. I'm stepping on me too, okay? Number two. Oh, wait a minute. One more thing I want to talk about about speaking the truth. Another job of mine is if you do come to me with questions and I don't know those answers, that I don't just make something up. I swear, sometimes I think, People think that pastors just make stuff up. If I don't know the answer, and, and I know some of y'all already know this because you've come to me and I didn't know the answer, I'm going to seek out the elders, I'm going to seek out my mentors, and I'm going to get you the answer. Now get this, sometimes in doing that, you may come to me with a question. I just Let's say you come to me with a verse, and you say, Micah, this verse, does it mean A or does it mean B? And I'm looking at that verse, and I read that verse, and first of all, and y'all all know this, read the verses before it, read the verses after it, don't just read the verse, amen? Amen, thank you. So, so you read all of that, and then I come back, and I'm like, you know what? It could be A or B. Then again, I'll go to my counsel. I'll put it before them. Let's say they can't come up with an answer. Let's say they say the same thing. It's A or it's B. I'm going to still come back and be able to give you some truth. You know what that truth is? Pray about it. And follow how the Spirit leads you. The Spirit may tell me A, but he may tell you B. And there's a lot of verses in this book that are like that. I don't have a problem saying that. That's why there's so many different denominations nowadays. That's why I can agree to disagree with a lot of my brothers at different churches. Because of some of these verses. So I just need y'all to understand, that's a big part of my job. If, if it comes to something like that, don't be shocked when I come and tell you, pray about it. And run with what the Spirit tells you. And then it's the opposite of what I actually think. Do you understand? Okay. I'm not that pastor that's going to tell you it's this way. You know. When it comes to that situation. Number two. What a teacher says affects people's lives. This is obvious. 
there are, unfortunately, some churches that don't teach this whole book. I pray for that congregation every day. I, I literally, I'll pray, and I'll pray, and I'll say, God, you know, the ones that are not hearing your truth, God, show mercy on them because they don't know any better. But the thing that I do know is God will give them the opportunity to know better, so then my prayer is that they grasp it and they realize it and they run with it. I know it's hard to believe that some churches don't preach this whole book, but I promise you it's true. And it's a shame. And that affects lives. Because here's the thing, when you teach a father something that's supposed to be the spiritual leader of the household and he gives that to his wife who's his partner in the household and they teach it to their children and then their children teach it to their children and their children teach it to their children all of a sudden you've got one messed up legacy so really it's not that it affects people's lives it affects people's legacies guys make sure that when you teach and you teach your children you teach them this entire word Amen? Number three, teachers are expected to live the truth. This is the hardest part. I can teach it all day long. Then you got to go out and you got to live it, right? Like, you know, I get mad and I can't say nothing bad, you know, and, and, and somebody makes me mad, I can't punch them in the mouth. I can't do that. You can't do, you can't do stuff like that as the pastor or the teacher. You have to lead by example. And that's the truth of it, though, guys. And that is the hardest part of it because, listen, we were taught, well, I say we, a, a lot of us male rednecks were taught to take things out physically, to use our anger. That's what we were taught. Not all of us, but some of us were. To be taught that your whole life. And then to finally read in this book that, no, that's not right. It's all about meekness. It's hard to pump the brakes all of a sudden. It's really hard to do that. For those of you men that do struggle with that, by the way, I, I can tell you how to get past it. Come see me. I'm not going to talk about it right now, but come see me. I can tell you how to get past that. It was really hard for me to do, but I did figure it out. Living that life, again, it's, it's so hard. And, and I truly believe that that's why, that number three right there is the main reason why Paul said in four books, to Paul and Timothy both, I mean, Hebrews, 1 Timothy, uh, Philippians, and Thessalonians all said to honor the leaders of the church. And, and I think, and, and to kind of cut them some slack, and I kind of think that's why, because we have to do all three of those things on a daily basis. Not just one or two. We got to do all three on a daily basis because we're constantly being watched. And again, parents, you need to have the same mentality right here. I'm going to move on to controlling the tongue. I want to go to James chapter 3, verse 2. Indeed, we all make many mistakes. For if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. Okay, so I was just telling you guys about my, my temper in the past and so forth, and you know how, like, 
I struggled with that. I was brought up a certain way, and, and, and not that I was taught anger. It was just that you were taught that you, you, you speak up, you get loud. You know, you, you handle situations a little different than what this book says. And so anyway, a lot of my friends and stuff will see me now, and they're thinking, how in the world, Micah, how have you changed? Like, how, is this a di how are you such a different person? And my answer to them and my answer to you guys is how to get past all that is a lot of practice. See, I've had a lot of practice. When it comes to guarding the tongue and keeping the tongue quiet, I've had a lot of practice because I live with four women. <laughs> I can't get a word in at my house. So it's taught me to just be quiet, right? And the one time I speak up, all oh, heck broke loose, you know? But if you need some practice, men, y'all come hang out at my house for a couple days. Caroline will set you straight, I promise you, real quick. I need you to understand James is not condoning silence. He's urging self-control. And self-control doesn't, uh, it doesn't begin with the tongue, guys. It begins with the heart. Jesus teaches us this in chapter 15, Matthew chapter 15. We'll go there, 15 verse 18. But the things that come out of a person's mouth come from the heart. And these defile them. So Jesus himself, that's in red, is trying to tell you that it's not the tongue actually that you have to control. It's actually the heart that you have to control. What you say is what you feel. If you can control your heart, you can control your tongue. I'm going to read from my Bible. We're going to go to James chapter 3. We're going to go to verse, 13, verse 3, excuse me, where we left off. I'm going to read verses 3 through 5. We can make a large horse go wherever we want by the means of a small bit in its mouth. Verse 4. And a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses it to go, even though the winds are strong. In the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches. Okay. That ship, when I read that years ago, the vision that God gave me with that, I'm thinking of this ship that's going down the sea, and when you look forward, there's a major storm, right? We can all envision that, this major storm that's coming. And behind it is nothing but peace. That rudder is the one thing that can turn it around and get it going in the right direction. Your tongue can do the same thing, though. That's the problem. Your tongue, if you continue to lash out and say things that are not of this word, it's going to direct you right into that storm, right? It is pretty cool and remarkable how a small rudder can actually lead such a, such a large ship. Like, I always think about that like a, like a large cruise ship. I mean, those things are huge. Like, it's a hotel, right? There's a hotel on the water. And, I mean, the thing is literally controlled by something that small. Again, that's the tongue with our body. Mm, okay. I want to finish... I want to continue with verse 5 here. In the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches, but a tiny spark can get a great forest on fire. If that's Jesus, answer it. <laughs> Tell him I'm preaching the best I can. 
Let's, let's let him take that call real quick. <laughs> you, you good? Everybody give Chris Meyer a round of applause. Right? <laughs> Mama, take that phone from him. Silence that thing. See, you done embarrassed her, Chris. Goodness gracious. Uh, so a tiny spark, right? I mean, that's a tiny spark can cause a forest fire. I want to show you guys a picture real quick. I don't really even have to explain. A tiny spark, something as small as the tongue, can completely destroy your entire life. I want you to look at that. To the left, that's your life, right? It's this beautiful, everything's out in front of you, everything's great. One strike of the tongue, one strike, can cause total destruction. I love how he used this to explain it, you know, of a forest fire. It just makes so much sense to me. Let's go and, uh, oh no, I got to bring this up. Let's go to James. Okay, James, uh, verse 6, verse 6. I've got it pulled up. This one's big. And the tongue is a fire. The tongue, a world of unrighteousness, is placed among our members. It stains the whole body, sets the course of life on fire, and it, or excuse me, and is itself set on fire by hell. Okay, the first thing I want you all to catch here. And the tongue is a fire. The tongue, a world of unrighteousness, is placed among our members... It stains the whole body. Who do you think he's talking about? Thank you. Our members, the church, and it stains the whole body. Let me make sure I got my notes right. Okay. I really struggled about telling this story, but I'm going to tell it because I got permission to tell this story. Years back, there was a church that I was involved in and in leadership in. And this church ran about, at that time, ran about 300 members. There was an individual in that church that felt that he should be in leadership above the pastor that was there. That person came to me and voiced this. And then voiced these exact words. If I don't get it, I'm leaving and people are going to leave with me. I don't know that I'm going to get into it today, but it goes on to talk about how words like that are evil. And that's exactly what it is. That one, that, that one conversation that we had, among our members, it stains the whole body. This is what happened. That one conversation... That church went from 300 to 50 in one week. 250 went with that individual. 50 stayed and kept that church alive. Now, y'all might be wondering, why are you telling this story? Because I'm going to show you where God showed up. And I need y'all to understand something before I go any further. That individual, to this day, I still pray for that individual. Pray for him all the time. All the time. I still love him as a brother in Christ. Completely disagreed with him. But I still love him. Because that's what that word tells me to do. The 250 that left never planted a church. Not one. The 50 that stayed planted two. It's not about numbers. It's not about numbers. It's about who's on your side. 
when you disrupt the church, you think he's going to bless you with another one? 250 gone, 50 stay, two churches are planted out of that. That 50 people, I'll tell you right now, is 50 of the strongest people I've ever been around in my life. To watch everybody stay together and fight through that process. And it was hard. And I know some of you are in this room. It was hard. It's not what we wanted to do. But here's the thing. We knew that's what God wanted us to do. And in that moment, it was dark. It was hard. And now I look back on it, and I'm so glad that he showed me this so I can teach it to you guys. Don't ever let evil... Don't ever let evil words enter your mouth at this church. Fight it off the best that you can. Do you understand me? The other word that I want you to catch is the last word in the sentence, which is hell. The Greek word for hell is, and forgive me if I pronounce this wrong, Don, Kirby, Randy, I apologize if I pronounce this wrong, but Gehenna. Did I get it right? Don says yes, I got it right. Okay, Gehenna. That is the Greek word for hell, okay? The reason I bring that up is in the New Testament, in the entire New Testament, there are only two people that ever talked about hell, ever. You won't find it anywhere else. That was Jesus, and that was James. This is a very important scripture. Y'all follow me? If you've got only two people ever in the New Testament that mentions hell, that talks about hell in their teachings, this is important. And what it's telling you is, is that fire, your tongue, it's directly from hell. It's evil. When you let it break apart a church, when you let it break apart a home, that's evil. Can we agree on that? It's a big verse. Y'all put that verse in your notes. I'm going to read James chapter through 7 through 12. I'm going to read 7 through 12 real quick. People can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and fish, but no one can tame the tongue. It is restless and evil, full of deadly poison. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. And so blessings and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. Okay, we've all done this. You're all guilty of it. If you tell me you ain't, you're lying to me. How many times you drive down the road and you listen to Caleb? You know, and you're like, it is well with my soul. Y'all hear that? Z, you hear me? But think about it. How many times y'all drive down the road and y'all sing that song, and, and, and then you pull up on Richmond Road at Starbucks, and some goober's trying to get in there, and, and you almost get in a wreck, and right out of your mouth, you're saying, it is well, and then think about it. 
many times that happened? Y'all, y'all, y'all are lying. Some of y'all are looking at me like y'all don't do that. Yeah, I see you, Tommy. You ain't got to even raise your hand. I know. I know you well enough. I've ridden with you before. I know what you're doing. But think about it, guys. Really, I mean, that's what he's trying to tell you here is that, man, we are just, we're so bad about that. And it's instant. I mean, whatever it is that sets you off, we've all got buttons, right? Like we've all got buttons. Yes. Please tell me yes. I'm not the only one up here that's got just one button. I only have one, by the way. That's all I have, and it's that goober at Starbucks that won't get out of the way when I'm trying to go down Richmond Road. Like I swear, I've told you all this before. If, if it's one of y'all, I'm calling you out at church. If I see a CW sticker on the back of your car, I'm calling you out at church. I Because I know all, all what you drive, so don't do that. That frustrates me. It happened yesterday. I got real frustrated, but I just preached on this, so when I drove by, I just kept singing Caleb, and, 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 it, and I just said I'd pray for him, and I just kept going. <laughs> Another example of this is, <laughs> y'all all guilty of this too. You, church, you, 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 you go to church, right? And, and everything's all great when you get out of church. How many people when you leave here you feel good, right? Like you feel good? Yeah, can I get an amen out of that? I hope so, because if not, I'm not doing my job. That's not good. So you get out of here, and you feel all good and stuff, and, and you go eat lunch, and you go sit down, and you get your family around you, and you're praying, and you're praising God, and you're all excited. And then when you get done praying, you start grappling about money. You start grappling about your job. You start grappling about, man, I got to do this in the morning. I mean, it's just instant, right? Y'all are laughing back here in the back. I see you. I mean, like, seriously, but how many times does that happen to you guys? I'm guilty of that a lot, a lot. I'll sit there and I'll praise him and I'll praise him and I'll praise him and I'll get done. And then I'm worried about work, you know, or really? Guys, the moments that you feel that peace and that praise, soak that in. Don't let it go. And definitely don't let that reflect on your children, right? It's our jobs as parents, man. We got to leave these kiddos. And when we do something like that, it's just a dead giveaway that we're not practicing what we preach. You look like a hypocrite myself included. Let's do better than that, parents. Don't speak negative. Don't speak negative. Oh, this is big. Mm. Guys, I need you to get this, and I said this a few weeks ago, but some of you weren't here, so I'm going to say it again. When you speak negative, when those words come out of your mouth, Satan now has something to play with. He's got something he can get you with. Satan cannot read your mind. I'm telling y'all, it's not in this book. He can't read your mind. If you think he can because you see something and the things start playing through your mind. No, no, that's you. That's your eyes. You looked at it. You're the one that's thinking it. But Satan will take your words and he'll grab hold of them. And let me tell you something. He's got a really good memory. He won't forget them. Spiritual warfare, that's what that is. And it's real. And for those of you that don't think it is, just come talk to me for two minutes and I promise you, I'll prove to you that it's real. And it don't stop. That sucker is, he, he's, he's got to be in good shape because he just continues to come after you constantly, right? But I promise you guys, if you don't speak the words, it's a lot harder for him to get you. Always speak positive. Don't speak negative. And that comes down to, you know, if you're sick, you know, I'll give you a perfect example. Don, Don came in this, do you mind if I tell that? with this morning okay Don Don comes up to me and he says that uh, his blood pressure is a little messed up this morning and and we just prayed about it and I said it's done he said you dang right well he didn't say dang but he said you're right it's done you know because Don that's Saint Don he don't talk like that he said you're right it's done and I think he spoke in Greek I think he said something you know but guys he agreed 
He didn't come out and say, well, I still feel bad, you know. Well, now my leg hurts, you know, or something like that, you know. Guys, and I need you to understand, I'm going way off topic here, but I got to go here. When it comes to healing, and again, healing is real. I know some of y'all look at me and you think I'm crazy probably right now, but that's okay because I am. I'm crazy. I'm crazy about God. It's crazy faith. That's what it's called because I've seen it. I've seen pure healing. I've seen miracles. I've seen these things, and I know a lot of y'all in the church have too. It's very real. When you are praying healing, you don't speak negative. You don't claim it and then turn around and say, man, I hope they got it. I hope everything's okay. Well, you know, I prayed over it, but, you know, we'll see what happens. Or No, it's done. Don't even talk about it. It's finished. It's finished. Amen. Positive. That's what a Christian warrior does. We speak positive. We don't speak negative. We don't speak negative. Not even about the Cowboys. We speak positive all the time. I'm going to read 11 through 12. Does a spring of water bubble out with both fresh water and bitter water? Does a fig tree produce olives or a grapevine produce figs? No, and you can't draw fresh water from a salty spring. James finishes this part, this section of chapter 3 with some more great illustrations. I love James. He's a great teacher. Guys, what I need you to grasp, though, is the words you say reveal your heart. If you want to know a person's heart, just listen to what they say. You can gain a lot off of people just by listening. Think about this. If you're, if you're trying to find a husband, ladies, just listen. Listen to how he speaks. If you're trying to find some new friends, just listen to how they speak. Don't surround yourself with negativity. Don't surround yourself with an evil tongue. And I tell you something, I do this in business. If you're a business owner or if you're a manager or whatever, and you're hiring somebody for a certain position and you're going to put somebody on your team, listen. There's a lot of time in interviews, I just kind of sit back to see what they got to talk about. And I'm going to tell you something else. Oh, hang on, I got to get a drink before I get on this because I. It's not even just the words that come out of your mouth. See, some of you think, well, I can just write it down and it's okay. Facebook, social media, Instagram. But I'm not saying it. Yeah, you are. I'm going to tell you right now, as I'm preaching on what I call a platform that God's put in front of this church, social media is your platform. People, y'all are looking at me right now, right? Because it's, it's a platform that God's given me to preach on. God, you've been, you've been given social media. I was fixing to say God gave you social media. I struggle with that, okay? But I will say, no, I'll take that back. Yes, he did, because you can make it a great platform. You can take something bad, you can make it good, right? When I interview somebody and I'm interested in hiring them, where do y'all think I do the background check at? Take this home with you. 
when we're picking out leaders for the church, what do you think we go look at? Ooh, some of y'all are like, oh, crud. Y'all get your phones out right now. You're like, delete, 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 delete. It's too late. I already got it. It's too late. All kidding aside, though, that's your platform. Whatever you put on there, that's what people think about you. That's what they think. We have different areas in this church, different departments that people are over, you know, Zyre's over, Zyre and Kane are over the youth and Zyre's over the worship team. And, you know, we, we've got Kyle over media, Dustin over tech, so far. I'm not going to name everybody, but you've got all these different areas, right? These guys, that's what we do. When somebody like, hey, I want to be on the, on the media team or the tech team or on hospitality, guess what? Okay, hang on. We're going to go home. Let's check this dude out. And when we see negativity all over their Facebook page, why do I want them in a department at the church? Because here's the thing. Let's just say, give you an example. Let's just say they're on the hospitality team and they're greeting at that front door. And somebody that follows their Facebook page comes here to visit the church for the first time. And they see that person greeting the door and they just saw that morning that all they posted was negativity and evil. I don't want to come in here. I'm being honest. Now, I will say this. You shouldn't judge the church off of one person. I, honestly, I wouldn't do that. I'd give the church the shot, right? But some of us wouldn't. There's some people out there that aren't as far along their walk as the rest of us are and don't have the understanding and the mercy that we may have. It's a major turnoff, guys. Major turnoff. Watch your social media. Can I get an amen on that? That's what I'm talking You dang right. <laughs> okay. So it's not all about what you say, right? So, so this past week, Bo, you're going to get, Bo knows what I'm finna go with this. And, and Cheryl does too. Uh, Penny does too. Y'all are the only three I talk about. Okay. So uh, this past week, there was a little drama at, at St. James in the second grade. That's Caroline's class. A little drama, okay? This little girl, Caroline says, this little girl upset her, rolled her eyes at her, and made Caroline mad now. And, and, and her, okay, they're friends with this one girl, okay? You, you've got Caroline and this other girl, and then you've got this one girl they're both friends with, right? So, so Caroline got all upset because this girl rolled her eyes at her, and then her friend went with this other girl to go swing. Caroline was upset. The other girl wouldn't believe her that, that her friend rolled her eyes at her. So Caroline went home and she drew a picture of this little girl. <laughs> I love my kid, man. She's so cool. No, she's not. That's wrong. You don't do that. That's what I told her. That's what I told her. So, so anyway, it's not all about what you speak, right? Obviously, this is a perfect example of it. You, you, you can draw it or you can write it or type it or whatever. But that right there is, is bad, you know. And I had to sit down with Caroline and explain it to her. And I said, sweetheart, you can't do that. Well, I didn't know that. She said, I didn't know that that would hurt her feelings. I'm like, really? Look at the picture. <laughs> 
So anyway, we made Caroline write her, um, uh, you know, a letter saying that she was sorry. She went and gave it to her, and they swung together the next day. Amen? Yeah, that's awesome, right? Yeah. Thank you, St. James. And Summer, don't you go back and tell I told that story, okay? She teaches at St. James. She'll go tell that teacher that I told that story. I'll be in trouble. The biggest issue with the tongue, though, guys, it's gossip. It's gossip. Get away from it, especially if it's about the church. You got to get that. It's like that verse said, guys, that's directly from hell when it comes into the church. Get gossip out of the church. If somebody comes to you talking to you about somebody else in the church, get out of it. Walk away. You got two options there. You got two options. If somebody comes to you and gossips about somebody at the church, I don't care who it is. I don't care who it is. You have two options. You can either speak truth to them and tell them it's not right or just walk away. Just walk away. Just, you know, politely figure out a way to get out of that situation. And I told you this a couple weeks ago, I'm going to say it again. If they'll gossip with you, they're going to gossip about you. So be careful about what you tell them. Amen again? Amen. Gossip is pride. And Proverbs tells you pride is the beginning of all destruction. Stay away from it, guys. Stay away from gossip. I want you to think about something, guys. Every word that you've ever spoke, you're going to one day be accountable for. You need to think about that. Every time you think about gossiping, every time you think about posting that terrible post on Facebook, you're going to be held accountable for that at some point. Now, thank goodness, our God is a graceful and merciful God, right? Amen. Because I think we're all guilty of this, right? I guarantee everybody in this room at some point has gossiped. I promise you. Somebody has said something negative at some point in their life. It's the whole reason Jesus Christ came down here. But guys, we need to be that church that sets the example. See, that's a difference between just a Christian and a Christian warrior. We, we lead. We set the example. We fight hard to do it. Are we going to slip up? Yeah, we're going to slip up. But guess what a Christian warrior does? We admit the wrong, and we keep trucking. Let's do better next time. We do things the right way. So how do you control the tongue? You can't. But the Holy Spirit can. You have to allow the Holy Spirit to control it for you. If you allow the Holy Spirit to control it for you, only great things will come out of your mouth. Only great things come from the fruit of the Holy Spirit. So, in other words, if you're allowing the Holy Spirit to speak for you, only good things will come out, right? Y'all grasp this? Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 through 23, but when the Holy Spirit controls our lives, we will produce this kind of fruit in us, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. It doesn't say gossip. It doesn't say mean Facebook, you know, posts. If you allow the Holy Spirit to take over in your life, this is all that will come out of your mouth. Men, let me ask you a question. You go home after work, 
and you walk in the house and you know that your wife's had a good day. She's joyful. She's peaceful. It's a beautiful thing, right? Regardless of how your day went, it's a beautiful thing when you can come home and as soon as you walk through the door, you feel the presence of the Holy Spirit. Peace, love, joy. You want to soak that in, right? That's a good feeling. What about the days you go home and it's total chaos? The tongue is the same way. If you allow the Holy Spirit to control the tongue, you're going to walk in peace and joy and happiness. And if you don't, it's going to be total chaos. How do we get the Holy Spirit to control our tongues? How does that work? You have to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. The closer you get to the Holy Spirit, the more sensitive you become to his voice. Okay. So, again, you're like, Micah, that's great. We let the Holy Spirit control it. But how do I get close? How do I get sensitive to the Holy Spirit? I need to explain the sensitivity of the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to wrap this up. And a lot of you know this feeling. When you're about to say something negative, but you can't. You just can't do it. Man, you feel it. It's like, shut your mouth. Like, I hear him. Like, you just can't get the words out. That's because you are sensitive to the Holy Spirit. He is all over you. And you are feeling every little nick and tuck. Because anything negative that comes at him disrupts him. He gets upset. You know what I'm saying? Like, he just, he, he just, and you'll feel it. So anytime you're around it, that's another thing. Since the Holy Spirit's when you're in a bad situation, you're in a place you don't need to be, but you feel it. Y'all follow me? So how do you get that? How do you get that feeling to be even stronger? Two things. Study and pray. Study and pray. Get in your word. But I do believe this. Now, again, this is a Micah-ism. Studying, study, study, study. But guys, get in conversation with God. Talk to him. How do you build a relationship with, okay, guys, when you're trying to woo your wife back in the day, right? Like, what were you trying to do? You're trying to build a relationship, right? It's the exact same thing. Guys, well, it's not the exact same thing. You're not trying to woo. You know what I'm saying. You're trying to build a relationship with God, guys. And the way you do that is through communication. Talk to him. Pray to him. Visit with him. The more that you talk to him, the more you get to know him. And then the next thing you know, you're very sensitive to the Holy Spirit. And those words won't come out. 